If you are telling yourself the story that your child is just trying to push your buttons, as opposed to, my child is really dysregulated right now, that's a really different story and your approach to it is gonna be really different. It is a total game changer. Welcome to the Parenting ADHD Podcast, where I share insights and strategies on raising kids with ADHD straight from the trenches. I'm your host, Penny Williams. I'm a parenting coach, author, ADHD-aholic, and mindset mama, honored to guide you on the journey of raising your atypical kid. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Parenting ADHD Podcast. I am excited today to have my good friend Sarah Wayland here of Guiding Exceptional Parents. And we are starting a new series that we hope to continue for a long time to come on the podcast. Once a month, we are going to do an episode on behavior. We have started together the new initiative, The Behavior Revolution, where we are looking at behavior through neuroscience and a brain-based lens and compassionately while honoring neurodiversity. So honoring who our kids are and not trying to change them, but improve how they feel and how they do and what their life experience is like. And so we thought, what better way to sort of weave in the behavior revolution here on the podcast than to bring you several episodes on different topics around behavior? Because what do we struggle with as parents? (laughs) The things our kids say and do, right? And not understanding them or not being able to help them through them. So Sarah is here too. And we today are going to talk about creating success by using the brain-based lens to shift your parenting. And we will explain all about what that's about, but we wanted to just say this will be a monthly series. So be sure that you're tuning in, you've subscribed, and you're able to listen to these episodes. I know they're going to be super, super informative. So Sarah, where should we jump in? Should we start with defining the brain-based lens and maybe talk about the behavior lens as well? Yeah, sure. That sounds like a great idea. So the behavior lens is the big no-no. The behavior lens is the one that we don't want you to use. That's looking at your child's behavior as just what you see on the surface and judging it. You're seeing things like anger, frustration, lashing out, yelling, not responding to you, super sad, not listening and following instructions. And when you put the behavior lens on that, then that judgment is clouding those things and they come up looking like poor character, laziness, disrespect, choosing not to do what you're asking, defiance and opposition also go in that bucket. So you're saying my kid is disrespectful. My kid is oppositional. And what we know about kids who are neurodiverse, who have ADHD, maybe autism, is that there's much more to the story. And that isn't true. That isn't true for the majority of the time. So why don't you talk about the brain baseline, Sarah, and the way that we need to be looking at the behaviors that we're seeing on the surface? Okay, so the brain-based lens will take those same kinds of behaviors, not responding to you, you know, acting out in frustration, being angry or lashing out, not listening, really emotional, 
And instead of attributing character flaws to them, instead we're thinking about what is it about the person's brain or biology that's actually leading to those kinds of behaviors. So for example, it might be that they can't do what you're asking them to do, so it's a lagging skill. Or it might be that the sensory world is overwhelming for them in that moment, or that you're expecting more of them than they can handle. Or with developmental delays, you know, you see other seven-year-olds able to do something and your kid can't do it, but they'll be able to do it later, then that's delayed maturity and you're expecting more of them than their brain can handle right now. Maybe they feel misunderstood. Their autonomic nervous system might be triggered, and we'll talk a little bit more about what that means. But basically, it means shifting into fight, flight, or freeze, which is not a willful response. It's just how your brain copes with feeling threatened. Your child may also have poor frustration tolerance or emotional dysregulation. And something I wanted to bring up is that, you know, these are different stories we tell ourselves about why our kids are behaving a particular way. So the behavior lens tells a story about their character, and the brain-based lens sees that same behavior but through biology. Yeah, and it's so important that you brought up the story that we tell ourselves. That's exactly what we're doing when we decide what we think about a behavior. So we're either deciding that our child is disrespectful or a, quote, bad kid, And that's the story we're telling ourselves. We're choosing that message, that interpretation. Or we can tell ourselves, you know, a story about how our child's brain works differently. And sometimes they're super sensitive and their autonomic nervous system gets triggered. And that's causing behavior. They're dysregulated. And they're very different stories. And they're going to provide you with very, very different outcomes, right? Yeah. And your kid takes that story in too. So that's the other danger of that is, you know, just as you have a story, your kid starts having that same story. Oh, I can't do that because I'm lazy, as opposed to I can't do that because I don't understand what you want me to do. Those are very different stories. And if your kid tells himself that he's lazy, then over time, he'll start being lazy. And so that's really important to remember that the story you tell yourself is also the story your kids are hearing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. They're forming their self-worth and their self-esteem by the feedback and the input that they're getting from the caregivers and adults around them and the kids around them too. Yeah. So it's really important in that regard as well. The other thing I wanted to mention too about it is that by seeing our kids through the brain-based lens, by understanding that there's more to the story, there's something going on underneath, that what we're seeing is a symptom communicating that there's something else. We're also communicating to our kids that we see them, we hear them, we understand them, we're in their corner, we've got their back, we love them, you know, we're letting them know that they are seen and heard. And that is monumentally valuable for all of us as human beings. But also, it's very, very important during development. That's going to affect a child's brain development one way or the other, the more that they feel comfortable and feel good about themselves versus the opposite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's such a big point, Penny, that kids who feel loved and seen 
are going to naturally be calmer than kids who feel misunderstood and unseen. Mm-hmm. And your relationship. Let's not forget our relationship with our kids, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yeah. imagine the relationship you have with your child when you're using a behavior lens versus a brain-based lens. It's totally different. And I'll tell you, Sarah and I will both tell you, connection with our kids, genuine connection is going to make a monumental difference in behavior. When our kids feel like they can trust us and they feel like they can come to us and talk to us and we're really going to listen and we're really going to be compassionate and empathetic and helpful, that goes such a long way for our relationship, which then helps so many other things, right? Not to mention that that's truly what we want as parents is to have a good relationship with our kids, right? That's fulfilling for us too. Right. That guiding relationship, you know, we want to be able to help our kids to do better, but if they don't like us, they're not going to care what we think. (laughs) And so it's, you know, making it so that they actually enjoy your company and you enjoy their company makes a big difference because then it's easier for them to take in information like, hmm, you know, I guess I should do my homework or whatever. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about some examples of reframing behavior. So changing our lens from behavior-based to brain-based. Why don't you start with one, Sarah? So an example might be that your kid is not getting started on their science fair project. So it's not science fair time of year right now, but it will be before you know it. Um, Mm -hmm. So you might be thinking that your kid isn't getting, you know, his science project done because he's lazy and not motivated. And so you might think to yourself, well, he needs to quit being so lazy and his lack of motivation is going to be a huge problem when he's an adult in the real world. And that would Mm -hmm. be a behavior or a character, (laughs) you know, attribution, Mm -hmm. but a brain-based approach would be, you know, like Penny, what would you say instead for a brain-based approach? I would look at lagging skills and Mm -hmm. executive functioning first and foremost. So can my child get started on his own? Can he chunk the project and plan it and be able to manage the project until completion? Is he overwhelmed and avoiding because he's overwhelmed? For my own son, it would be dysgraphia and handwriting and having to do a display poster (laughs) would be harder. So maybe asking the teacher if he can pivot to a, a PowerPoint instead of a poster project. You know, there's so many different things and it depends on each of our independent kids. But You know, I would start with maybe unmet needs first. Mm -hmm. Is he hungry? Is he tired? You know, does he have what he needs to be able to do well? And then I would look at executive functioning and, you know, that task initiation, the planning and organization skills. And then, you know, from there, move on to how do I support and scaffold so that this is doable for him? Because clearly that behavior is telling me that it's not doable under the current circumstances. Right. And you know, one that took me forever to figure out with my kids was sensory stuff. So when they would get overwhelmed with sensory information, I'll just use as an example, my younger son, he's very sensitive to sound. And I would take him to things that I thought were going to be fun for him as a kid, like a carnival or, you know, an outdoor concert or something like that. 
And he would get so overwhelmed with the sound that he would scream and run away. And, you know, basically he was saying, I need out of here. But what I saw was a kid who didn't know how to behave in a public situation. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, he he has terrible manners and he's not, you know, he has no self-control and things like that. But in fact, what it really was, was auditory sensory overwhelm. Yeah. He just wasn't able to manage it. He was dysregulated. Yeah. And I think that's a good segue. We need to talk a little bit about regulated versus dysregulated because when we're seeing these behaviors our kids are dysregulated. They're having a hard time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times that is because their autonomic nervous system has alerted, right? Their body has automatically said something is wrong here and that's causing dysregulation. You know, in our behavior revolution system and course that we launched a couple months ago, we made a tool for this called the behavior wheel. And it shows three states basically of regulation. You've got green, which is calm and connected. So they're regulated. They're doing okay. They're feeling okay. Then we have the orange zone, which is activated. So now they're dysregulated. And this is the fight or flight sort of area. And then we have the red zone, which is freeze or shut down. And that is a different type of dysregulation. It's a different response from the body, but it's also dysregulation. And so when you see behavior happening, being able to figure out which state of regulation or dysregulation they're in can be very helpful to figure out what is going on for them. What is that brain-based lens telling us? Yeah. And you know, one of the things that took me forever and a day to learn is that the kids who shift into freeze very often teachers love those kids because they say they're, quote, well-behaved. <laughs> right. And it's not that they're well-behaved. It's that they're frozen in fear and not making trouble for the rest of the classroom. But they're also certainly not learning anything. Yeah. And those kids are falling through the cracks, mm -hmm. but they're struggling and suffering. And we have to really take notice that sometimes kids are compliant because they're doing well and they can do well. And sometimes kids seem compliant because they just can't handle it. Yeah. And they're not showing you that they can't handle it. They're just frozen from not being able to handle it. And I think those kids slip through the cracks so very much. Yeah, absolutely. I was just thinking, too, that, you know, if you have a kid who's, quote, refusing to do something, mm -hmm. that can be because they're frozen. Yeah. But it can also be, you know, that they're not like the class is going bonkers and they're just sitting frozen in their chair. And the teacher might be, well, he's always, you know, sitting quietly in his chair. <laughs> and it's like, um, maybe that's a problem if everybody else is running around like a nut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it can also be, you know, the kid who's running laps around the room, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. they're not really refusing to do their work. They're needing, you know, that sensory input or they're overwhelmed by the activation that they're feeling. They're dysregulated. They cannot sit still and calm. So, you know, knowing those different states of our nervous system is monumentally empowering for parents. And that's really the shift that we have to make. We have to shift to using a brain-based lens always and looking at, okay, so now I know that my kid is dysregulated. 
how, what's going on for them underneath that, right? What is causing the dysregulation? What does that look like on the surface that I'm seeing? And how do I help them to regulate? What can I do to help in those cases? And that's going very deep into the process for sure of working on changing behavior and improving behavior and helping our kids just feel better in general. But it's important to note that that's kind of what we're talking about here is a deeper, much deeper dive in seeing behavior as communication. Right. So some of the behaviors that you might see in fight or flight is obviously punching other people is in sight or running away or as it's called eloping. So you'll hear teachers talk about children who elope, but they might also just look stressed out or, you know, you just mentioned needing to move. You know, the body knows what it needs to do to self-regulate. And the problem is that we look at that self-regulation attempt as being disobedient, when in fact, it's really the body's attempt to regulate. So this needing to move thing or fidgeting or even fighting with another kid. Mm -hmm. And one you alerted me to that I just love is the mother hen where you have a kid who's trying to control everything, you know, and just kind of worrying about every little thing and then trying to, you know, make sure everybody does what they're supposed to do. Just being agitated or frantic, jumping out of your skin or just tense, like, you know, a kid who looks tense. Those are all things I've seen in kids who are in that fight or flight mode. So what do you see in the shutdown or freeze mode? Yeah, so that would be a child who looks frozen, like just isn't really doing it much of anything. They might describe themselves as numb or disoriented or dissociated. They would be mobile, maybe rigid, but also floppy. You know, it's interesting. These different things can look totally different in different kids. Mm -hmm. You know, a kid in shutdown could be floppy or a kid could be rigid and it could be the same sort of state of their nervous system. We also have things like freezing to avoid. You know, avoidance is always, there's always a reason for it and it's not laziness and procrastination. And, And so that avoidance can be in either zone here, in either state, fight or flight or the freeze shutdown. Terror, deer in headlights, you know, we we all kind of know what that means, <laughs> just being frozen at what's happening or what's coming. Those are all different signals that you might see as a parent that are letting you know that your child is dysregulated and then what type of dysregulation What state is their nervous system in? And then that helps you to figure out what can I do to help my child regulate now? What might be useful if your kid is frozen and telling them to go jump on a trampoline? It's probably (laughs) not going to work, right? But if your kid is super activated and they need to move to calm down, jumping on a trampoline would be fantastic. You really have to know your child and you really have to know what's going on for them as far as their brain and their biology. So that really gets to, you know, something that I find takes a lot of finesse as a parent, Mm -hmm. which is knowing your own child and what will help them shift back into a more regulated state. And it's really, really different for every kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like for my older son, what helps him Honestly, sometimes it's just time. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm constantly surprising him. Say, like, I'll come into his room when it's dinner time and just say, hey, it's dinner time. But if I interrupt him when he's deep in something, 
he gives me that frozen look like he'll pull out and look at me, but I can tell he isn't really there. Yeah. And so I just have to pause and wait for him to get his body back, you know, with us. And then I can talk again. You know, so for him, he shifts into that mode really fast. But my younger son, he's not a freezer. He's a yeller. And so, you know, if I went in and said it's dinner time, he's like, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. You know, and then I can say, sorry, didn't mean to upset you. And he's like, okay, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, but staying calm myself instead of, hey, don't talk to me like that. Yeah. Or whatever. Right. So just kind of being able to say, you know, you don't have to treat me like that, but in a calm voice as opposed to countering with similar intensity definitely helps. Yeah, and it takes some time and some experimentation to figure out what is going to be helpful for your child and what is actually going to cause dysregulation. Occupational therapy can really help with some of that, all the sensory-based stuff. You can work with an OT, your child can work with an OT to come up with some strategies there. Mm -hmm. And some of it is just really getting to know your kid and probing deeper okay, my child is refusing, there's that word, to do his math worksheet. Why? You know, just asking why and asking your child what might help. A lot of kids can really answer that question in an effective, meaningful way, right? You can ask them, okay, I see that you're having a hard time getting started with your math. What's going on? How can I help? Right. And and listen. And really listen. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes they say crazy things and you're like, what? That doesn't make any sense. So if you don't understand what they're saying, like ask for clarification. Don't assume that they're saying something goofy or or nonsensical, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, kids as little as five, six, seven years old can tell you when their body needs to move. They can tell you when they're classwork is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. They really can give you some very valuable insights. So don't rule out asking them because they're little. Even I think sometimes kids as little as three and four can really say something that we're like, oh, that's why this is happening. You know, just just a little clue sometimes is all we need as parents to really help us understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's so hard about this is every child is so, so different. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people say, well, what is the thing I need to do for my kids, you know, to make this work better? And I wish I could say there's one answer for every kid, you know, for all kids, but it's not the case. Each kid is going to need something a little different. And, you know, that's part of <laughs> part of parenting is figuring that out. Our kids are super complex. Yeah. Super complex. And it can be a real hurdle for us as parents, right? It can be very challenging, but that's why you have to do all this work and shifting you know, the lens in which you're looking at behavior, shifting your mindset as a parent and approaching behavior in a completely different way. And, you know, we've talked about so much here. We talked about the different states of regulation. We actually created a behavior wheel for parents to use. It's part of our behavior revolution program so that you can use it as a reference and a guide to say, okay, my kid is like rigid, what's going on. And that'll help you determine that, oh, this is probably shut down or freeze. What happened that caused them to get into the state of their nervous system? And then, okay, what can I do? Or how do I support them? And what maybe they can do to get regulated? 
There's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of layers, which is why we do what we do, right? (laughs) It's why we make courses and tools and help parents. And there is a lot more there that's available if you're interested at thebehaviorrevolution.com slash course. But, you know, you can take what we've given you here and start implementing it. It's really, I think once you understand everything, everything else gets easier. It falls into place. Would you say that's true, Sarah? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And it is truly about the story you tell yourself. Like, it took me forever to realize that I was making everything worse by telling myself stories like, my child will never be able to do this. Yeah. Or, you know, or they're doing it to get to me. Like, if you are telling yourself the story that your child is just trying to push your buttons, as opposed to, my child is really dysregulated right now, that's a really different story, and your approach to it is going to be really different. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it is a total game changer. Yeah. You know, we've given you a lot of information and knowledge and insight here, and there's 140 some other podcasts at this point (laughs) that also offer a whole lot. You know, Sarah and I have done a couple other episodes on behavior, and the episode with Mona Delahook was really great on the autonomic nervous system and behavior. You know, there's many resources out there. So we just want to share the information far and wide, but also let you know that we do, you know, have a program that could help you with that if you're interested. So I think we're going to wrap up here. We could talk for years about behavior. Sarah and I can just go on. (laughs) And have. (laughs) Um, It took us a couple years to get the program and the tools built and together because there was so much to it. We really wanted it to be so, so sort of a guide. You know, we really wanted parents to be able to work through it and it be I don't want to say easy, but it'd be laid out for you, right? So that you could get through it as easy as possible. But nothing about parenting our kids is really easy. (laughs) So for the show notes for this episode where I will have links to the Behavior Revolution website and that material, as well as to the course and anything else that we've talked about here, you can go to parentingadhdandautism.com slash 144 for episode 144. And Sarah and I will be back again next month. And we'll talk about another topic around behavior and addressing behavior while still honoring our kids' neurodiversity and who they are. So we will see you guys then and I'll see everyone on the next episode. See you then. Bye. Thanks for joining me on the Parenting ADHD podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share. And don't forget to check out my online courses, parent coaching, and mama retreats at parentingadhdandautism.com.